0: He took a pitch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Please. Managers on a Major League Baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with a German Bob Pro Harper? It's a castration of the Major League Baseball managers. We know it. Ask me about my win, Welcome, everybody. John Pielli here. giving you about 30 minutes. As we're going to get into everything going on in the world of sports. Congratulations, certainly, to the Georgia Bulldogs. Go out there and win their second national championship in college football. And I was kind of viewing this game from an interesting perspective. If you listen to my take yesterday when it came to this championship game, I'm on the side of Alabama. And I've explained why I tend to root for... Favorites or teams that have had dynasties or teams that have won for a very long time or many championships Because now over the course of one's life We don't get to see dominance like Nick Saban has had as the head coach of the University of Alabama and I Listen, you know from uh, Belichick and Brady and the Patriots to probably if I was younger I may have enjoyed the New York Yankees championships a little more even though I'm not a Yankees fan. And I think it's a little easier when you're talking about neutral sports or sports where you don't necessarily have a favorite team. I gave a couple reasons why I would have liked to see Alabama win. And a lot of it was from a historical perspective and exactly where Nick Saban can rank as one of the best college football coaches in the history of the sport. And, you know, of course, adding to what's already been a great run. And then you see this Georgia team. A Georgia team which, by the way, I'm going to go ambivalent on on this perspective because I looked at the Georgia Bulldogs at the beginning of the season and looked at them as a legitimate national championship contending team. And you say, John, well, how could you be technically rooting for Alabama and then saying that Georgia was going to win the national championship the whole time? Listen, I told you, I'm not a fan. I'm not a big time college football fan, certainly not a, a big enough college football fan that I would have a favorite team. I don't have a favorite team in college football. I like watching the games. Certainly the competitive nature of the sport puts it up there with, um, you know, in some cases it's better than what you see in the National Football League. Week in and week out. The kids play as hard as you could imagine over the course of a football game. I love watching college football. i have a favorite team. I like the SEC because of its dominance. Um, I get to watch some Big Ten games. I don't get to watch too much stuff over in Pacific Athletic Conference. Obviously, Lincoln Riley heading to USC is a big deal. Um, But when it comes down to it, I looked at Georgia. I looked at the roster that they retained. Kirby Smart's recruiting class. And honestly, the way their defense looked, the amount of NFL players that are going to come out of this particular defense, and I said coming into this season, you would have to be crazy to bet against Georgia. Now that I think they were going to win the national championship, yeah, I said if I had a team to pick to win the national championship, it was going to be Georgia. Doesn't mean I was necessarily rooting for them, but as you follow this game, and obviously the injuries for the Alabama wide receivers were a big deal. John Mechie not being available to play. And then you watch, uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, Jameson Williams getting hurt pretty early in the game. And and that kind of set the team back. And you saw the difficulties that quarterback Bryce Young had working with receivers that he hasn't spent a lot of time working with. Now, obviously, you're talking about five-star recruits. You're talking about some of the best, best athletes in the world. And you want to talk about reasons why Alabama is in a national championship conversation year in and year out, it's because the best players in the country want to play for Alabama. The best players in the country want to play in the SEC. And you add Texas and Oklahoma to the mix uh, starting next year, the majority of the best players in the country are going to want to play in the SEC. And they have great players on top of great players, great players now, but also great players in the future that are sitting on the sidelines not getting any PT. Now, how easy should it have been? Should these other wide receivers have just come in and say, hey, yeah, it's like nothing. I'm gonna go run a a, a 4-3-40. I'm gonna go downfield, run these routes, and have all the sudden have this cohesion with my quarterback. Doesn't work that way. And you saw it in the second half of the game particularly. Bryce Young was not on the same page with a couple of these receivers. And they needed a Mechie. They needed a Jamison Williams to be on the same page as Bryce Young if they were going to be able to keep up with Georgia, who, by the way, played an incredible defensive game. You looked at the first half. It was, what, 12-6 or 9-6? And you saw a very good defensive battle, two very good defensive teams. Like I said, many players from the rosters of the defensive squads of both Georgia and Alabama are going to be playing in the National Football League over the next couple of years and you know the difference certainly something has to do with the injury Mechie not being there Jamison Williams getting hurt after catching a big play but Georgia's defense was very solid I think they made some good adjustments throughout the game especially adjustments off of the tape from the conference championship where Alabama beat them up pretty good so by the time this thing is over I'm happy for Georgia I certainly respect the coach Kirby Smart Wins some championships with Nick Saban at Alabama and then leaves to go to his alma mater at Georgia. Wins a championship. The Georgia Bulldogs hadn't won a national championship in college football since 1980. So now they got two of them. And you think of the state of Georgia. And the fact that the Atlanta Braves in baseball won the World Series last year. Pretty good. Uh, pretty good calendar year for the state of Georgia when it comes to professional sports. And if you think about it, Sports in that region don't have a whole lot of success. You know, you talk about the Braves World Series championships starting with 1892, but you know that was in Boston. You know that was in a league that a lot of people don't even acknowledge as existing. But they won in 1892, and they won in 1914, both in the city of Boston. They won in Milwaukee in 1957, but in Atlanta, in the state of Georgia. They won World Series championships in 1995, and most recently in 2021. And you look at Georgia's success. Georgia Bulldogs football championships: 1980, 2021. Certainly something to be proud of. And then I try and I struggle. I get some Georgia Tech football championships: 1917, 1928, and one of a lot of us remember in 1990. That's three championships for Georgia Tech. Two for Georgia two World Series with the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Hawks as a franchise have an NBA championship, but it wasn't in the city of Atlanta. It was when they were in St. Louis in 1957. So I think of Stetson Bennett, quarterback of the Georgia Bulldogs, and I thought he played a gritty game. I don't think he was great. Um, Remember that fumble play, which I thought was a little weird. It looked like a forward pass I could argue about the forward pass rules because I think they're so inconsistent when it comes to sports. And you look at them up and down, and you, you, know, you just wish that they would all be officiated the same way. Not just through college football, but in the pros too. My thought was always that if a quarterback is in a motion of throwing, you give them the benefit of the doubt for an incomplete pass. You know, A fumble and an incomplete pass, usually a fumble has nothing to do with a forward pass being attempted. So. I, I just think the inconsistency of those rules are still bothering me. Even though it was a play that worked out very well for Alabama, they got a field goal out of it. It could have determined the outcome of the game. But as I'm watching Stetson Bennett, you know nothing, nothing really rings out to me when I, when I when I look at this player. Is he uh, a player that's going to get set to play in a pros in the National Football League? Listen, I don't envision him under center for the Detroit Lions within the next couple of years. But If you have followed my path on the Passball Show and things that I've spoken about over the last year or so, you know that I am very much an advocate, very much an advocate of the NFL developing players in another league. And you want to have something that's called an NFL Development League, you want to call it the USFL, you want to call it the XFL, the Alliance of American football, the CFL. I don't I don't care what you want to call it. Even if you want to have a series of other leagues that run within a certain time to prepare players to be ready to play in a National Football League. The basketball, if you watch the NBA, they're doing a great job by having players ready in the G League. And it creates opportunities. It creates opportunities for players that may have never thought they'd have a chance in the NBA. And you think of the coronavirus as it's making another run through the country, impacting certainly the world of sports. It's great to have more players that you could put on your roster, put in a game, and and be able to play games instead of having games postponed and canceled. And, you know, the worst scenario is if you're talking about forfeits, which, uh, you know, I would hope that sports in all cases, no matter how bad this ever gets, don't resort to forfeiting games, because I can't blame individual teams for outbreaks anymore. Wherever you go, somebody's got this thing. So the NBA is doing a good job, pulling a lot of these players from G League. I mean, some players are coming back, like the Joe Johnsons of the world, and you know you th- you think of players that played in the NBA a couple years ago, and all of a sudden they're coming back. Maybe not get a lot of minutes, but they're helping to fill out rosters in a time of need. And the NFL, right now, certainly in the playoffs, could use an advanced taxi squad as it exists on a roster. You're talking about the practice squads as they're set up and expanded to carry some more players. But what is is the biggest fear as you get ready for the most exciting time in postseason sports? The NFL playoffs that the Super Bowl champion could very well be determined by what team is least impacted by the coronavirus. And that sucks. You know that sucks. You, you you look at the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson and you think of his ankle injury. Not related to COVID. But you think about how good the Baltimore Ravens were with a healthy Lamar Jackson and how they struggled. Certainly a lot of it's on the coach. A couple games where they could have tied the game and made it go on. They went for two and ended up losing. That's on the coach. But a healthy Lamar Jackson makes the Ravens look a lot better. And You, you just you have this fear that, hey, if Patrick Mahomes isn't playing in the playoffs and Chad Henney is in there, Aaron Rodgers isn't playing for the Green Bay Packers, and Jordan Love's in there. And, you know, certainly the more need the quarterback position is for a given team, or the more a team relies on their quarterback, Buffalo, Josh Allen, certainly most of the other teams. And you you look, I mean, what team in the playoffs right now doesn't have that much of a gap between their starting QB and their backup? Jalen Hurts, Gardin Minshew. Listen, Jalen Hurts is a very big reason why the Eagles are in the playoffs. I'd rather certainly rather see him out there than Gardner Minshew. Now listen, does Minshew have a chance to, uh, you know, lead a team to victory? Yeah, but you know, so, so does some other backups. So does Marcus Mariota if he's playing for the Oakland or the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. You know, and I, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm worried as a pro football fan because I think a lot of you should be. This is the most exciting time in playoffs in any sport throughout the time of the year. And if your team, or a team that you bet on, or a team that you're watching, you know that pro football is the most casually watched sport in the country, you could have a game, a playoff game between the, uh, the uh, I'm, I'm trying to think, the, the Cardinals and the Rams, and you could have a bunch of people that don't root for either one of their teams glued on the game and wanted to watch it start to finish. You know, an AFC example would be what? Bengals. You know, who, who are they playing this week? The you know the, the Bengals game as they're as they're getting set for the playoffs. You know, you want you want to see football, and that's what people love on a Sunday or a Saturday or a Monday this week as you're talking about wild card weekend, triple wild card. You want these games decided by the talent that is there. Not the talent that happens to be on the field. You want to see some fourth-string quarterback for a good team lose the game and the other team have a free ride to the Super Bowl. But my most important point about this is it's important for the NFL to invest in a developmental league. Maybe to not even worry about playing it after the season. I think this dream of the XFL a couple years ago, and I thought the XFL was working up until the coronavirus hit. And you see a lot of, uh, certainly... Um it's taken a while to kind of get back to where we were before then. But I would schedule a developmental league to run in correspondence with the National Football League as it's going on. Because you need to have these players fresh. And I think it's more than just having extra players on a practice squad. It's you know a Stetson Bennett who, when he's done in college, may not get drafted. May not sign with a team as an undrafted free agent, but may want to continue his professional career as a football player. And there's a lot of players that fall in that category, whether they're you know Division One players, whether they're Division Two, II, Division Three players that will never get exposed to the draft, or their talents will never be seen to be drafted. There's a lot of these players that want to continue play football for. Less pay? I think a lot of them would do it. And just for that chance, the shot, the opportunity, to play well in a league, stay relevant, maybe get a chance on somebody's practice squad. Maybe get a shot on an NFL team's you know, training camp as they're getting set to play some preseason games. P.J. Walker just signed another one-year deal with the Carolina Panthers. He was great in the XFL. I don't think he gets that type of exposure if he doesn't get to play those four weeks in the XFL. Josh Johnson is back in the NFL. And a lot of it's because of playing in the XFL. So the last thing I wanted to talk about. you know, I was watching the return of Klay Thompson the other day. And certainly his impact that he could have on that Golden State Warriors squad is tremendous. I mean, you think about him and Steph playing at the top of their games, which I figured at some point they're going to be, you know, the Swish brothers are going to be back. And you start to forget that this Golden State Warriors dynasty, which we all kind of said was over when Clay got hurt a couple years ago, and the Warriors had a terrible season last year, and the expectations were, hey, they're just done. They're not coming back. They're not bringing this band back together. And Andrew Wiggins is there. You know, Wiseman's playing for them, Pool. You look at all these other players that have it, such a huge impact on that roster. And then you got a healthy Steph Curry popping bombs from anywhere on the court. And now you got a healthy Klay Thompson who likes to talk about his game and likes to uh, assert himself as one of the top shooters in the National Basketball Association. And I think the Warriors are back. You look at that Western Conference, Tell me a team that you think is hands down better than them. Phoenix is good. Listen, I like Utah, but I don't really like Utah in the playoffs. Same thing I say about Denver. The Lakers, well, Lakers are, you know, they're they're always going to have a shot because you know their roster is always going to be stacked. How much is Russell Westbrook getting in the way of that team? And it's not that Russell Westbrook's doing anything different than he has over the course of his whole NBA career. He's just what he is. He's the human triple-double. He's out there to have that stat sheet. He wants the 10-plus points, the 10-plus rebounds, the 10-plus assists. He is a Hall of Famer in that regard. Is he a good teammate? Well, he plays 35, 38 minutes a game. He's out there. Availability. The best ability is availability. I absolutely agree with that. Now, LeBron James as he's kind of co-coaching that that team on the floor. You may want to keep the ball out of Russell Westbrook's hands so he doesn't cause as many turnovers. But the Warriors, with Klay Thompson, especially if you get him to 100%. Right now he's playing four or five minute intervals four times a game. So you're looking to see him get in about 20 minutes. Hey, once he starts ramping it up to 30, 35 minutes, we're looking at a team in Golden State that's up there with the best in basketball. And their record states that. And, you know, this thought that a couple years ago, oh, the Golden State Warriors and their dynasty and the winning a the couple championships that they did, the three or four years, yeah, that died. That died when Steph Curry got hurt. That died when Clay Thompson got hurt. These players are back. And I think of the fan base as it exists in the San Francisco slash Oakland Bay Area. And those fans were pumped. They're pumped for Clay Thompson. They were pumped for Warriors basketball. And if you followed my program before, you know what I'm about to get into. Regional sports, as they exist in this country, especially major cities, are going to be biased over the teams that they feel are the most popular the teams that they support the most, the teams that they say are the best fans. There's major markets throughout the country. Nobody in a history of sports from another region or another market says that any other market is superior to them in regards to fan base. So this dream, this thought process that goes through the eyes and ears and mouth of the New York sports fan that says, "Hey, I'm so superior because it's New York, Madison Square Garden, the mecca, the next. Nobody else cares." You know, in my voice of the progressive dude saying, "Hey, don't be like your parents." Nobody thinks that Madison Square Garden is the mecca outside of New York sports fans. And I'll, I'll enlarge it to encounter you know, to pick up more than just. Knicks fans New York area fans Metro area fans are going to think that Madison Square Garden is the mecca oh they always sell out over there even when the team's losing it's not because of their passionate sports fans it's because the corporations own the place the corporations own the tickets of the place when the Knicks are good it's a harder ticket to get when the Knicks are bad you can get a seat there just like anybody else and you think of the success of the Golden State Warriors over really the past decade. You follow them over the last 10 years, they've been a great team. They've won three championships, been to two more finals. The Bulls are the 90s. Reason that you know the United Center would sell out is because the Bulls were great. So a lot of it has to do with how good a team is. You know, what teams are the most popular throughout the country, which casual fans that are just trying to pick a sports team for the first time are going to jump on the bandwagon of a team that happens to be winning. You think of the Steelers and the Cowboys of the 70s. You say, hey, in football, those are a couple of the most important or popular fan bases that exist throughout the country. You know why? Because the Steelers and Cowboys were good in the 70s. They were. And very few fans go back beyond that because neither of those teams were as dominant. You want to go back to the Giants of the 50s or the Lions of the 40s. Other teams that were very good, the Cleveland Browns, excuse me, under Paul Brown, were dominant. In the All-American Football Conference from 1946 to 1949, winning all four of the championships, winning three more NFL championships with Paul Brown as the coach. A lot of those fans have died off. Or a lot of those fans are not as integral in the world of professional football right now. And remember, you know, you think of regions as they exist. There's nobody in California. There's nobody in Boston, Philadelphia, Chicago, Detroit, uh, Florida, Texas, wherever you want to go. There's nobody in any of these other regions saying, hey, you know what, I really like my team. I really enjoy my team. I really love the world of sports. And but if I go to New York, I know those fans are better. I know those fans are more passionate. They love their team more than I do mine. Nobody's saying that. Listen, we'll be back with you next week. This is another edition of the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPLE.com by St. I Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by two A's, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Like I said, we're going to be introducing more segments to the show, talking a little bit about sports history. I do want to talk about guys like Paul Brown and George Hallis and their impact on the world of professional football because my belief is that a lot of people in this generation are just stuck on the Super Bowl era. They want to make believe sports didn't exist before that. And I say sports because I mean all sports. You know, you, you imagine the, the vitriol that I deal with when I bring up the 1892 Boston Bean Eaters World Series Championship. And you say, Oh, that can't count. Why would you say that? It was before the World Series. It was, it was a World Series, dude. Baseball was played then. Research the 1894 baseball season and all the secrecies and things that happened over the course of that season. What made it one of the best of all time? Things you'll hear if you want to on the past PAST ball show. We'll be back with you next week, maybe this week, we'll see. Uh, I'll give an update on the next show. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side. Chris Bryant was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leatherback books. My apartment smells of. Why don't you give it all for a majority of it, to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just kind of looked in my Now there you come out as the biggest baseball manager apologist. It'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders. Are you going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this? I'm a dude, dude the dude There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you can say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. <laughs> of the spectrum. They're on. Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if, if you were a fan of a team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely, 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at them. No, going to go they put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents some money for an abortion. <laughs>